Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You need to know exactly where your food's coming from. It's the, the clientele that write the menu every week. Keeping your eyes open and your ear to the ground, essentially, and listening to what people are growing. The integrity, that, that provenance, that ability to not just know where something came from, but to really know the, the ins and outs of how it was raised is really important. G'day and welcome to another Capital Cookbook 3 podcast. This is the Quicksand Food Connection and my name's Stefan Postuma. Today I speak with Vince Heffernan from Moreland's Biodynamic Lamb in Dalton. Dalton is a small town just outside Gundaroo and there Vince has developed a habitat and environment for his Texel sheep which are reared and raised for the table. Vince is a really interesting guy in that his approach to biodynamic farming is very realistic and it's very environment focused. They've planted tens of thousands of native trees out there to encourage a population of rare and endangered animals to come back to their property. And the effects of such a deep focus on the environment translate into healthy biodynamic sheep and quality meat that is desirable for both chefs and for people cooking at home. Vince sells his meat through a few butchers and also through the Capital Region Farmers Markets at Exhibition Park. And he's got some very deep insights into what it is to be a farmer. He does a lot differently to other people and I learned so much from our conversation. So I hope that you also enjoy this conversation with Vince Heffernan from Moreland's Biodynamic Lamb. This country has been in, in our family for um, six, some um, six generations. So mm-hmm. uh, my three greats, great-great-great-grandfather Pat Moore was the first one to buy this off uh, some other people uh, in the 30s, so it's the 1830s. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've been down here and I guess the place has changed shape a little bit. We've, little bits have come and gone, uh, but it's about 3,000 acres now, a bit over 1,200 hectares. And uh, it was sheep and cattle, but now it's uh, it, it, we're just running sheep. Yep. Um, it's uh, it's a, a family farm, so it's run by my wife Janet and and myself. And uh, we uh, we some uh, during the big drought in the the noughties, we we got rid of our merinos, our wool sheep, and mm-hmm. we've focused entirely on uh, on meat sheep since then. Uh, we we run an operation that's uh, that's organic. It's that's run using biodynamic principles. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, Rudolf Steiner uh, gave a series of lectures about 90 years ago that uh, outlined a, a sort of an ecological approach to to land management that mm-hmm. was uh, contrary to the to the the newer chemical use of uh, chemical applications that were being used uh, 
to try and enhance agricultural output, but but we're having other issues with uh, with health and disease and mm. the like. So we're, we're biodynamic. And do you want uh, to just give us a, a brief explanation of how biodynamics works? Then, yeah, that's that's pretty difficult. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, after two gap decades, I went to university at the age of 38 to try and find out how biodynamics worked. And uh, I spent uh, I spent a long time trying to study it, trying to understand it. And it's a it, it's a it's an approach to if you think about organic agriculture being um, being an avoidance of of the the use of uh, uh, fabricated chemicals, then it's really a matter of saying I can't do this and I can't do that. Whereas uh, with biodynamics, it's a it's a much more proactive approach to farming. So certainly, there's no use of um, of uh, of chemicals, but we go a step further and we try and work with uh, principally with the soil and with the uh, with the ebb and flow of the of the the seasons to. Uh, to grow better produce. So when I say work with the soil, we put out what are called preparations on the soil. And um, there's much conjecture as to exactly how they work. I, I certainly know that they enhance the soil biology, so they're the things that are living in the soil. Mm-hmm. And um, the soil biology is very important for the health of the soil. It, it's important in terms of building the structure of the soil so as it doesn't get too waterlogged and so as it uh, also retains water when we are in drier times and uh, it allows um, uh, pathogens, disease-carrying pathogens, to be uh, eradicated and it allows cycling of nutrients. So mm-hmm. once you get that soil biology right, and biodynamic soils are, are, are renowned for having really healthy soil biology, you know, a lot of health comes into the system. So mm-hmm. in the plants and then for the animals in the, that are grazing on those plants or browsing those plants, uh, they become healthy as well. Mm-hmm. So we've found that uh, after a transition period, it's been something that's worked really well for us. Sure. When did that transition happen? Uh, it's about uh, more than fifteen, less than twenty years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I suppose the, the other thing that we do, and you pr- probably don't see that so much today, but we have. Um, uh, we use what's called a holistic grazing approach, which is all about having big mobs of sheep mm-hmm. um, at very high densities in paddocks for very short periods of time, and then they move on to another paddock, and then there's a long rest period before we come back to that paddock. Mm-hmm. So rather than having a few sheep in every paddock around the property, we have 150 paddocks, and uh, we we uh, sort of come in, crash graze, for want of a better term, mm-hmm. uh, and then get out, and that brings uh, enormous benefits to the system because it creates, again, enhances the, the soil texture and uh, uh, it does wonderful things for uh, perenniality and the type of grasses we grow and also for animal health because things like internal parasites are really overcome by uh, going yeah. uh, by, by this rotational grazing. And uh, I suppose the other thing that's different here on Morelands is that uh, specifically my wife, Janet, has planted uh, an enormous number of trees and shrubs, and mm-hmm. you probably saw some of those in your photos today. Yep. Uh, and uh, in total, there's about 200 hectares or 500 acres that we've fenced off and, and, and revegetated. And it's that, um, 
I guess it's that approach, that regenerative agricultural approach that's seeing our biodiversity enhanced. So we're getting Mm -hmm. a lot more species of everything from lizards to insects right through to... uh, to birds uh, on the way up today. Yeah. I saw diamond firetails going uh, across and I saw also a, a restless flycatcher and I, I doubt that you'd see those anywhere else in the landscape today or mm-hmm. you know, for probably five or ten kilometre radius. So that they're quite rare species, but by having this really diverse range of shrubs, understory plants, um, it's even now extending to aquatic plants. So Janet's right. planting aquatic plants in the creeks and dams. Uh, so we're really trying to work with, um, you know, sort of that build it and they will come type concept mm-hmm. of uh, of managing the landscape. But that, that's also good for the for the sheep. It's not our principal reason for doing it, but the sheep will browse, uh, so they graze the grass, but they'll browse the leaves on the acacia trees, the wattle mm-hmm. trees, and uh, that has some health uh, benefits to the sheep mm-hmm. uh, that, that they. They're, they're very healthy as a result but again that has that's all about judicious grazing you can't just let them have access to it 365 days a year right. or they destroy the trees so but with our rotational grazing it, it works really well mm. and sort of with this system with enhancing the environment like you say it, it, it brings biodiversity how does how does that translate into a quality meat a quality you know, sheep and and a quality flavour. So, so there's, I think there's a there's a number of things I could say that I could probably say in some respects that absolutely has has no no impact at all, mm-hmm. and I think that that's important to understand. So uh, again, I, I probably could have pointed out to you a tree up there that we've planted in big numbers. Uh, it's Alacasurina verticulata, and uh, it's a, a tree that has a, a small seed pot on it. And there is a small cockatoo called the glossy black cockatoo. Uh, this is different to the big uh, black cockatoos you'd see in Canberra with the yellow tails. Mm-hmm. But these glossy black cockatoos only feed on the seeds of that tree. Mm-hmm. So by us planting those trees, uh, uh, we create a, a habitat for these endangered cockatoos. And you know the bottom line is that there's no benefit to a consumer of our lamb or to us as farmers for us doing that mm. so uh, uh, on on one level we're really keen to build biodiversity for no other reason than to build biodiversity it right. makes for a, a, a better system a more resilient system uh, and a better environment and we can grow good lamb and we can uh, also have a, a great environment mm. And uh, those two things are not uh, polar opposites. They can be achieved at the same time. Yep. You have to set out to do it. it. It doesn't just happen naturally, uh, but you can achieve that. Uh, we have, as I said, some 26 species of, al- of, of uh, acacias, of wattle trees. Mm-hmm. And so they're flowering at different times and they produce seeds. And those seeds are very high in protein, about 30% protein. I mean, wheat's about... Nine or ten percent. So these are really dense little seeds. Yeah. And uh, the sheep seem to really thrive on access to them at certain times of the year, particularly in autumn. So the, a lot of the the plants that uh, f- that the acacias that flower, say between uh, July, August, September, will produce seeds that they then those sheep uh, will happily hoover up in in autumn. 
And as I said, the the the, the um, before they love to eat the, the leaves off these trees, they're very high in nitrogen, and they seem to boost again protein levels and have a, an anthelmintic effect on the sheep that uh, stop them getting worms. Mm. So, so the, there's benefits in the sheep having access to the fifty or sixty thousand trees and shrubs that my wife's planted, uh, because the, those that that ability to graze uh, browse as well as graze the grass. Uh, adds a, 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 a really significant impact in, in terms of flavour. I've had chefs like um, James Kidman, who uh, used to run Dichi Mezzo in, in Civic and now runs Cafe Sydney in, you know, at a, a hatted restaurant in, in um, Circular Quay in, in Sydney. Mm. And uh, he always talks about the, the flavour profile in our, in, our, in our meat having, having a, a very complex flavour. Mm. Uh, and it's sort of uh, layers or, or uh, components that that are that are, are more, yeah. Well, it's more it's, it's more complex than than, uh, than other meats, and I think that that has all to do with the diet of the sheep. So the fact that we're using the biodiversity to try and increase uh, uh, the, the 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 diverse range of plants that we've got uh, mm. to try and increase the. Uh, the biodiversity uh, also flows through to to the animals, but but you know the, the, I suppose there's even other impacts. Uh, there's a little shrub called Bassaria that we've planted, and it's again largely lost in the landscape today. But Bassaria is a a gorgeous little uh, evergreen shrub, and it's also the host plant for Hymenoptera. Hymenoptera are the wasps, which um, are the main insect predator so they're an insect that preys on other insects yep. and um, if you take away their home then you lose the wasps out of the system so if you take the predator out of the system you see these big spikes in in insect numbers yep. be they flies or mosquitoes or grasshoppers and so we're getting by restoring some balance in the system we're overcoming problems that would impact on our sheep potentially maybe through flies or mm. through through grasshoppers uh, taking all the green out of the out of the uh, pasture in the summer months. Yeah, exactly. So, so there are benefits, uh, but I think basically the main benefit is is um, uh, an aesthetic and a and a, a knowledge that you're doing some good to the to the land. You know, yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's for some people it might be important to them, but for other people, just the, the knowledge that if they're buying our lamb. That they're making a difference out there. Exactly, uh, I think does that that does ring true for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, do you think that? How how do you think that? Like you attend the farmers markets in Canberra and you supply local chefs. How do you think that sort of public education, the knowledge of chefs, and the farmers market system has facilitated your ability to create a, a viable business out here with such an attention to the environment and to, to allow you to to plant these these you know rare and native shrubs and plants and and pay more attention to biodiversity uh, the I think you, you've been out here as a as a part of a group of chefs with a restaurant so you, yeah. you, this would be something that you'd understand uh, but w would you have gained as much today as you did on that trip or would, have you learnt more today about what we're doing um a bit of both yeah i don't know different different aspects from both trips i think okay yeah um but yeah 
So, so I find when you're dealing with chefs, uh, chefs will support you. We talked about someone in Canberra supporting us right now, but I wonder what the front of house staff are sharing with exactly. uh, with the the, 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 the the however many covers they've got in that day. And do they really know what we're doing, or do they? Can they explain if someone says to them, "What's biodynamic?" Can they? tell them anything about what biodynamic is um, do they do they know that we're planting a lot of trees do they know that it may have an impact on the on the flavor of the meat a, a positive impact um, I, I don't know mm. um, you know we're, we're using a, a, a breed of sheep that's fairly uncommon in Australia the Texel which is a, a Dutch breed mm. uh, off the I think they're the, they, they in in Holland they pronounce it Tessel the Tessel the Islands off the coast of uh, the Netherlands so um, and it's a, a, a beautiful, fine textured meat. Mm. You know, a, a lot of Australian lambs are based on the merino, which is a, a, a wool sheep, and it's not really a great meat sheep. And um, the, the, the merino is known for coarse, ropey texture, uh, whereas these texels have got a very different, a real silky texture, and the fats um, are, are just a, a sort of a light marble, what's called intramuscular fat, and it's really sweet and nutty, and and, mm. uh, and so those. Those things are, come from the breed, but then you've got the the other other parts. So, I, I think it's very difficult at where there's a, where there's a very limited interaction between people, as would happen between a waiter or waitress and a and a and a client in a restaurant, or even at a farmer's market, where we, we literally we talk to people often for you know maybe five or ten seconds before mm. they make a decision, or um, you know maybe a minute or two. It's very hard to do even what we're doing today. Talk about that type of detail. But we can start the conversation happening. Yes. And once we start the conversation, people come and have a look at our Facebook page or our website, or they get onto our mailing list and we send a a newsletter out once a month. It's not very long. It's probably only an A4 page. But we've been doing this for a decade, so there's people who have had 120 newsletters from us. Sure, yeah. And so as we talk about maybe, you know, a tree that we've planted or a a bird that's arrived, it might be the, the... the rainbow bead is that, that come and nest here over summer and then uh, you know move back up to uh, New Guinea for the winter uh, or the, the superb parrots that are, that are up in the Nemoy Valley for the winter and come here and nest in the, in the summer again and uh, the, the, you know the problems and stresses that they're currently experiencing and how we can help by planting acacia rubida for the superb parrots or eradicating foxes to, to give the um, rainbow bead as a chance so you know as we can share these stories uh, and it might be just as i said it might be just an a4 page i think people get a better and better understanding of what's happening and they don't get that if they go to a supermarket because they don't even know who our name is if they go to a supermarket Mm. and buy our our meat which is why we don't sell through supermarkets anymore Mm. so uh what we do develop a, a relationship and it's a two-way relationship we find out about our clients and they find out about us yeah. and uh, we get our clients to come out and visit the farm so as they can see for themselves and you know a real hands-on experience sort of close that loop if you like so they know where they where they where their meat comes from that's it um do you think though that you know having this this sort of premium product and the fact that you can go to a farmer's market and sell it at a, at a at a retail price and also sell direct to chefs you know that that sort of platform is is something that contributes to your ability to continue doing what you're doing rather than you know selling to a wholesale market where 
perhaps mass production is something that is 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 what might sort of keep you afloat. Uh, yes. Look, so so if if I had to describe our market, I, I'd 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 <clears throat> note we sell lamb um, th- three or four different ways. So we sell to butchers who then on sell to mm-hmm. restaurants. Uh, we sell directly to restaurants. Uh, we sell uh, lamb by the cut at the farmers market mm-hmm. uh, at a little bit below probably the retail price for organic meat. Mm-hmm. And we sell whole lambs at the farmers market, so mm. people can go and buy a, a box of lamb. Yeah, tell us how that works, because um, so they, it's, they, a great, they buy it's a great way a, to do a, it. A twenty kilo carcass um, is put into a into a box. Uh, it's cut in serve sized portions and uh, cut the way people want. So they can get loin chops, the little t bony ones, sixteen of those, or they can get uh, two back straps and fillets. So they choose the cuts they want. It goes into the box. Uh, they pay two hundred and forty dollars for that that uh, twenty kilo carcass that way. And uh, at about there's something like sixty serves in a lamb. Mm. Uh, so it's about four dollars a serve. Now certainly some of those are going to be mince. Yeah, exactly. And others will be you know, neck chops for casseroling. But there's also you know things as I said like backstrap and fillet, which uh, I suppose if you're buying at a at a at an organic butcher's, it'd be seventy dollars a kilo. Easy, easy. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's quite a when you can think of the money that you'd spend at a uh, at a restaurant for a meal to buy a, a serve of of the best lamb in the country for mm. four dollars is is exceptionally good value. So mm. I, 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 it's not that I, I dispute that we're getting a premium, but I, I think that because there's no middleman, yes, we can deliver something to people. Now it's not convenient. I'm not there on Tuesday night at eleven o'clock. Yeah. You know, as Woolworths are mm. uh, or Coles, uh, we're not just around the corner necessarily from where everyone is. We only get to the markets in Canberra once a month. Uh, people have to come to us. I don't home deliver, so th- there's there's a number of things that aren't as convenient as if you go and do all your shopping at a one stop shop. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the... So, but but people are willing to trade that. Uh, f- I think for that. Knowledge, you know that provenance, exactly. knowing what the product is. Um, some people are really interested in animal welfare, and they they they're really reassured by the fact that, you know, we take the animals to the abattoir ourselves. Mm. That there's that that it's a very different approach here to to looking after animals, and um, so it's a matter of tying all that up and, and finding what what works for people. Yeah, I th- um. Just touching on what you were saying about, you know, the different cuts that are available when you buy a whole animal. Mm. I think people now are educated in how to cook secondary cuts, like you say, like necks or, or you know, apparently I'm talking to some butchers' shoulders are the first thing to go now. Um, and this time of the year, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so exactly. uh, but you're quite right. Well, you know, a decade ago, it was uh, it was always the shoulders and the shanks and the necks that were left. And now they're the things that are gone by six thirty in mm. the morning. Yeah, and and buying a whole animal as well, and you know, I I, I would urge people to do it because y- you end up with some cuts that you're not familiar with cooking, and and you sort of then develop your food education in saying, well, here's what I've got, and let's let's figure out how to do it really nicely, and 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 it continues that sort of education in in sort of food in general. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think also that you can mo- most cuts. You take a leg of lamb, and a lot of people are, tr- are very familiar with a traditional, you know, uh, roast leg. But mm. but um, in summertime, a lot of people don't want to put an oven on for you know an hour yeah. when it's already hot. But 
they'll get butterfly legs and they'll pop them on the barbecue. Yeah. Or they'll uh, get leg steaks, which are like a filleted, lovely lean piece of meat that, uh, again, just uh, is just fantastic on a nice hot plate outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that there's, it's not just a matter of um, of uh, of having a repertoire of being able to cook every cut, but able to cook it to suit your lifestyle mm. throughout the year. Uh, but yes, you, you're quite right. There's been a big change in the way people have accepted the, the, the what I call the slow cooking cuts. You know, the, mm. the wet meat dishes uh, are, are really in vogue and, and uh, very, very popular. Mm. But, but nose to tail eating, I think, is people are understanding the ethics of that as well. You know, that not waste. Yeah. Uh, and appreciating the whole animal. I agree. Um, and it's sort of, it, it might be a bit of a, a trickle down effect in seeing those cuts awful and, and and those sorts of things used in high class restaurants and done really well or also you know in the in the media and then people say well you know if, if top chefs are doing it then why shouldn't I you know I'd, I'd go and eat I'd go and eat you know lamb's fry or, or or whatever it may be at a restaurant why can't I do it myself mm-hmm. um, you and and the offals offered as a part of that as well that's right. So yeah. there's there's a heart, there's the the the, the liver or the lamb's fry, and uh, and some kidneys. We can't guarantee uh, the brains that we get are, are ours, so we, we don't offer them. Oh really? But uh, you know, pe- people want. Uh, uh, I'm often intrigued by just how much we've got people who are of uh, Kazakhstan heritage or Greek heritage, and people want you know Ethiopian heritage and they'll, they'll want the heads or they'll want the intestines or they'll yeah. want the lungs and people really from different cultures uh, value and, and treasure different parts of the animal yeah. that that, um, uh, that wouldn't have been seen in Australia 30, 40, 50 years ago yeah yeah it's interesting um, yeah I think that it's, it's probably something that's apparent to you being a retailer of meat but uh there, there are lots of little cultures within the Canberra community, um, you know, and that, that, that you that you don't see. It's like you say, you know, people people want the heads. It's inconceivable for some people to want to buy a, a lamb's head, but it's 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 sort of the number one cut of the beast to some. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, you know. Um, as a, as a kid, I remember having you know um, having pressed tongue. Uh, sandwiches off off uh, when we kill a beast when we kill a, a steer here mm. but um, you know for many people tongue's not something that they're familiar with it's not something they get access to so I, I do think it's important and um, it, it's important on so many levels in, in terms of as you said getting out of your comfort zone and trying something a bit different mm. uh, you know I, I remember trying uh, lamb's fry at the ottoman in Canberra and uh, and just with that, with that Turkish touch, it's just a, a totally different uh, mm. dish to anything that I'd had previously. So, um, yeah, uh, absolutely, you've got to embrace what's uh, what's available out yeah, there. That's great. Um, just finally, Vince, where people can find you at the farmers markets on Saturday mornings out at Epic? I'm, as of right now, we try to get to Epic um, on the third Saturday of every month. Yep. So, uh, and that's can be problematic so as you can see we're quite busy right now with lambing so mm-hmm. if things get a little out of control here we'll tend to back off and and skip a month if we have to uh the animal animal welfare is paramount to us so we, we're not going to go and leave the ewes 
uh, struggling if, if they are struggling, uh, we'll, we'll look after them first. But normally the third Saturday of every month, we've got a website, morelandslam.com.au, which always has the date of our next market on it. Mm. So it's got a calendar on the front page so you can see when we're next in Canberra. And, um, and the butchers? And so we're, we're supplying to Feather and Bone, who's, who are actually in Marrickville down in Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, and they're a butcher, I guess, known for dealing with uh, eth- ethically raised uh, meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do boxes up into Canberra, so you can buy boxes of... Uh, I, I think they're a mixed box, so you buy... There might be a, a chicken in it that's a pasteurised chicken, and there might be some... Um, you know some Berkshire pork in there, and then there might yeah. be some some bacon from out at uh, out at Pialiga. and um, and then some you know some uh, beef off maybe a Dexter or a Red Angus or something that you might not have seen before. Mm. So that they, they specialise in dealing with rare breeds and ethically raised meat. Nice. Uh, we, we we deal with another butcher in Sydney out at Brookvale called Shira Lee Meats, who's an organic butcher. That's great. And we go to Everly Markets once a month down oh, okay. Sydney, down at the Carriage Works yeah, at nice. uh, Redfern, uh, which are a wonderful little market, really. Mm, beautiful. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Vince? Anything else about Moorlands or about sort of, you know, I mean, you're you're a part of the Canberra Wine and Food Club and, um, you know, dealing with chefs and things like that. Do you want to just sort of comment in general about, I mean, in the last you know five to ten years there's just been such a boom in food in canberra in terms of restaurant openings and you know different different ways that people can interact with the food community around them yeah so uh, you know less than 20 years ago i remember I, I, I visited my sister who was living in san jose in california and i, and I just and, and so this is less than 20 years but i just remember being really disturbed at the at the food culture or probably lack of food culture over there mm. uh, it really was food was fuel it was just something that to be consumed in the same way that you might pull your your car into a gas station as i'd say <laughs> over there and it was it, there was no 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 um, thought given to what you were doing or why you were doing it and i and i i, I remember coming home and really despairing about what might occur in australia at that point in time and we don't seem to have gone down that path. Well, certainly, I suppose the the, the fast food and the big supermarkets, maybe. But uh, the, at the at a polar opposite to that, um, there there is this duality where the, there's there's a, a group of people who are very mindful about what they eat and what the impact of that is. If you buy meat off someone who's you know, got their sheep or cows in a feedlot. Um, you know, uh, what what are the the ethics behind that? Mm. Not just in terms of the um, the animal, but also in terms of the amount of uh, grain that's got to be grown. You know, a, a cow eats twelve kilos of grain a day in a feedlot, and there's a million head of cattle in feedlots in Australia right now. So there's twelve million kilos of grain just every day of the year, three hundred and sixty five days of the year, going to feed our our feedlot cows and uh, you know that grain's grown in ways that uh, are probably not sustainable in other words we can't be still doing this in mm. 50 or 100 years time we're importing a million tons of phosphorus fertilizer a year and half a million tons of nitrogenous fertilizer a year so they're being brought into australia and uh, a lot of these are not having a, a positive impact on not just our farm 
soils but also on our waterways and uh, and our natural areas so I, I do think that we've got to find better ways and I think that as I said the, the fact that there is a mindfulness out there that people are concerned and mm. are interested uh, people care about you know our native animals how really diverse it's not you know it's not just that we've got echidnas and kangaroos and platypus and koalas that there's you know that, that there's hundreds and thousands even of species that are are really worth worth uh, keeping and are really important in our in our very unique ecosystem here in Australia and farming doesn't have to destroy that mm. uh, it does when it's not done mindfully but it, it doesn't have to so I think that there's some really good things happening and, and I think that chefs that are switched on and um, farmers markets that allow that message to get through are, are really important in that so and uh, at the other end of the scheme, there's there's this inability to let that information flow through in in supermarkets mm. um, or a, an unwillingness to more mm. importantly. So uh, there's a, there's a lot happening, and, and it'll be interesting to see how things turn out in the next bit. But uh, we're we're very happy to be doing what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I, I think I think we're sort of on the right track, and there's a there's a there's a sort of a difference between you know the the local food movement where you're like okay this is this food's local you know that means it's good and 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 just just knowing that little bit of extra depth of 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 what you're eating and how how these practices work and 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 what you're saying about feedlots and the importation of chemicals and fertilizers and things like that because you know it's very easy to say well you know we we eat we eat local such and such or we, we buy this but a, a true understanding is where i think change change occurs and people really start to share knowledge and make different sorts of decisions i, I think that's very true i think that there is that uh, you know it might sound like a buzzword but it, it, the integrity that the that provenance that ability to not just know where something came from but to really know that the ins and outs of how it was raised yeah. is really important and i mean i see you know, I see someone who sells pastured eggs and I drive past their farm and those sheds don't move. And so I know those chickens as much as the the box has a, a pretty picture that shows um, chickens in grass. A lot of the time they're not in grass, they're mm. in dust because they're, they're just not allowed to um, be moved. So it, it's one thing to, to hear a claim and it's another thing to know that something's actually happening. Uh, there's another egg producer unrelated to that one who's claims uh, who or probably is uh, biodynamic or organically certified but they're buying their grain from the darling downs in queensland now mm. just the amount of uh, just the vast amount of fuel that's being spent to get those um you know that the, whilst they're quite close to canberra uh the the amount of fuel that's being expended to get the feed to the chooks mm. to to grow those eggs to then trot across the border over into canberra is extreme and, and I think a lot of people aren't aware of the full picture in some of those cases exactly. so the more that, that information can be shared I think the better things are I, th- I think that um, you know I, I, I don't think that we're doing things perfectly but but I, you know we're, we're totally transparent and, and I think it's important that people yeah. can see what we're doing and how what we're doing is making a difference yeah and I think it also that I'd, a lot of people you know a generation of young parents and things like that are, are, are the people that are interested in it and they're the people that are going to be passing it on to the next generation as well so there's definitely promise there 
Yeah, well, that's that's good. I, I, I do think that that's, that's true. I think people c- can be, you know, uh, maybe uh, unwarrantedly concerned about some of the food that they're buying, but in other cases, it's it's absolutely justified yeah. because there's there's a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of genetically modified feed used in in uh, in in this state out of um, canola and uh, and cottonseed meal, and people just aren't aware that their 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 eggs their chook meat, their pork, their lamb or their beef has been grazing on genetically modified mm. uh, plants. Now, for some people, that won't worry them at all. But for others, it, it happens without them knowing. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, it's not something we do because of our certification, but it, it's uh, I'm mindful of how much these things happen out there without people being aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, Vince. Thanks for having me out here for the second time. Had a great day out on the bikes. And yeah, it was good to meet the dogs. Yep. No, no. (laughs) I'll best get out amongst it again. Thanks very much for listening to my chat with Vince Heffernan from Moreland's Biodynamic Lamb. If you want to find out more about Moreland's, you can go to their website, which is moorlandslamb.com.au. And if you want more of these podcasts, you can visit our website, quicksandfood.com, where you can get the whole Capital Cookbook 3 season of the Quicksand Food Connection podcast. You can also find them to download on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search for the Quicksand Food Connection. If you want to find us on social media, we're at Quicksand Food on Facebook and on Instagram, where you can find all the latest news. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.